Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got. Happy to have you with me. We got Pronola segment right now. We'll circle back to some of the national sports scene and some of the stuff happening on the diamond this weekend. UL, LSU, baseball, Cajun softball, and more. But right now, to talk some Saints and Pelicans is our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, Mr. Gus Cattengale of ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, we got a little bit to talk about. I know we don't have as much time as normal, but let's just get right into it. Um, I want to I want to start with the Saints and then get to the Pels because I think we start with the Pels. We're going to run out of time. So Jarvis Landry, I, I get the vibe that he's just kind of maybe using the Saints to get a little bit of leverage. Maybe Matthew was as well. Maybe they both end up signing. I'm not expecting it. But if they were to sign Landry, how much do you – and he might at this point be a post-draft signing. Like how much do you think that impacts, if at all, their – their methods in the draft. Are they going BPA no matter what? Are they leaning receiver? As we said in the past, it's kind of hard to get a gauge because this is Dennis Allen's first year. Sean Payton's gone. But do you think anything between now and next Thursday will impact what they do in the first round? That's a good question. I, I would hope not. And what I mean by that is I still think you can't over-evaluate. And I know head coach Sean Payton – kind of, you know, threw a wrinkle out at some, some things when he was at the Zurich this week and saying, hey, the re-, you know, he doesn't know any inside info, but, you know, you, you don't try to get 16 and 19 if you're not trying to do one or two things, and that's try to get multiple picks there or package to move up. And then that just threw everybody, you know, oh, what are they, it is quarterback. I, I still don't buy that. Um you know, he also made a comment that he doesn't doesn't think that the team needs to go receiver and all that. Look, it was one of his greatest mistakes, the over-evaluation of that room. They're not going to tell me, Scott, that, you know, Trey Quan Smith this offseason becomes a legit every even other down receiver. He's a good blocker, but... He's not a guy that I can count on his receiving core to take to the next level. He's not a guy I'm going to put opposite of Michael Thomas and defense is going to say, well, now we can't double Michael Thomas. That's not happening. I, I love Callaway, but as you and I have discussed in the past, he's a nice complimentary piece. And as we saw last year, it, he struggles against a one or two level quarterback and you know, again, he's also not the guy I think opposite of Michael Thomas. Not saying he can't produce. You know, Deontay Hardy. I mean, he's another guy that I think is a situational, takes the top off of the defense type guy, not your number two. So, you know, even if you bring in a guy like Jarvis Landry, I think to the point that you made, I don't see it being a long-term deal. And I'm not saying that's not the Saints don't want it or he doesn't want it, but one of the reasons that was reported why he's not with Cleveland and, and is a Brown is because is looking for $20 million a year. The Saints are not doing that. No. So if that's the case, maybe you can finagle one of those 
two years, second year voidable. You know how they do it. Pay them this year at a at a minimum salary with a big bonus to try to get them close to that twenty. But they're not going to sign them for a two to four year deal at twenty a year. That, that's not happening. And his unwillingness to do that in Cleveland had him released. So I think it was smart for the Saints to meet him, see where he's at, see where his head is at. Oh, this is our situation. It's up to you if you want in or not. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense um, that you did meet, that you did see where you were. Same thing with Tyron Matthew, and you move on and kind of look at it. So that's why I don't think, to answer your question, I don't think anything that happens this week changes that mindset that you have got to get a top-level receiver at 16 or 19. I think they're going to be there. I think it makes sense to go there. And to me, you would be hurting your football team if you don't go there. And what I love is that you keep seeing in all these mock drafts, you know, Chris Olave is there. You keep seeing sometimes maybe even the other Ohio State receiver or, you know, for some reason somebody at London all the way down there. I don't see that happening as well. But all it takes, we say, Scott, is one or two teams to shock, surprise, maybe go up to go get a quarterback, and then things start to slide. But I, I would be shocked if getting Jarvis Landry, you know, the Saints don't go receiver in the first round. If they do, I think they shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, Landry and Thomas are a solid duo, but I don't see that being a two, three-year combination, whereas if you draft one, that player you're expecting to stick around for two, three years or more. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. What What is their approach? What is their mindset? Because, look, I, I love Jarvis Landry, and I think he would be a good addition, but you have to think of the big picture as well, to your point. He ain't going to get $20 million. I mean, I, I know that's what he wants. I know he fired his agent. I know he's, at this point, maybe they wait till after the draft, see if they can find a team that'll do it. Um, it just, that's, yeah, man. I mean, he's good. But twenty mil a year, I, I don't know that he's that good. And this got a lot of money tied up into a receiver that really needs to play this year, Michael Thomas. And yet, when Michael Thomas signed that deal, he was worth it, right? Um, it made sense at the time. And uh, I just, I think their approach has to. I'm with you. I think their approach has to be the same no matter what. And I, I've told you, look, I hope they go offense because I think they need. A lot of help there. They've made additions on defense this offseason. All they've done on offense is added Andy Dalton and wasted a future compensatory pick in the process, which still ticks me off just saying it out loud. But, you know, having said that, if Jordan Davis happened to be there, uh, I'm not yeah. going to complain. And the more, of these, the more of these mock drafts and draft pundits start talking – they're talking about this guy continuing to slide. I don't get it. I don't understand all this. I, I'm not a scout, so therefore I don't get it. But how is this guy not like a top five, top eight pick? He might, maybe he will be. Maybe he will be. But when I see these these boards of him sliding, I'm like, really? This guy is just an absolute freak. I mean, you put him on the D-line. Yeah, the Saints would be top-tier defense, shaky offense. But with that D, good luck. I mean, that he would... I would I would sign up for that in a second. Scott, I'm with you. Oh, and I saw Peter Schragler from Good Morning Football post that this week. 
you know, we talked about it on our show here as well. I'm good with receiver and best offensive or defensive lineman at 16 and 19, which is why I just I think you're you need to take advantage of 16 and 19 because I think you can get two starters at those three positions at 16 and 19. And here's a name I'll throw out there as well that you know there was a write up about a week and a half ago too. And I know Trevor Penning and some other offensive linemen have been mentioned out there, but Mickey Loomis told Peter King in Good Morning Football or Football in America, whatever, that he wrote last Monday. And he quotes Mickey Loomis as saying that he thinks they'll be able to get top 20 or 25, someone in their top 20 or 25 board at 40. And I think they can. And you know, there's a guy out there from Wake Forest who's, you know, his name is Zach, that scored the highest RAF as a center at the combine. And before you go away, he's a center. I hear you. He played center last in 2019. The last two seasons, he's played left tackle. Zach Tom. You know, uh, Zach Tom. Multiple oh, position yeah. Players. oh, yeah. And so you have a guy that's smart. All right, because he took the test as a center, so it shows you if he has the highest RAS ever. Draft him. Combine Draft him. Center. Take him. It might not be exactly. sexy. Take that's him. I'm, I'm for it. Take him. Do it. Do it. That's, 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 yeah, offense. That's, yeah, come on. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Zach you know? Tom, and do it. He'll be there at 49. I think he'll be oh. there at 49. So, I look, your strength on your football team right now is your defense. And there is a gaping whole indifference when David Onyemata was out and when David Onyemata played. So it's a sneaky it's like I think like you were even telling me on our show on Wednesday it's one of those sneaky needs where you know no one really looks at the D-line because we think of the D-ends you have in Davenport and Jordan and free agent acquisition you know in streets and also you add Turner from last year, a first-rounder, they're set. That deep tackle position, it's an interesting one. You throw in that beast, but I don't, I don't know why he's sliding. Maybe it's his weight. He dropped 20 pounds from Alabama to the combine. He was 340 at the testing there. If you were in concern about that, well, you know, I understand it, but at the same time, what if you can – get him to focus or be fun. And here's the thing, at 360 at Georgia, the guy was unblockable. Unblockable. So, you know, now, they were worried about him being in every down back. The Saints like the, their NASCAR package. They like being able to put four defensive ends at the front. So right. he may not need to be in every down guy. You know? That's right. No, I mean, I, I yeah. See, these are – Jordan Davis would get people excited because even though he's not on offense, just because he's – He's a name, right? They know him. They watched him. Zach Tom wouldn't excite anybody. You get that dude at 49. I mean, hey, signed. And you know how much the Saints love those RAV scores, as you just alluded to. Hard to believe, man. The first round is uh, less than a week away. Saints with two picks. Yeah. And we'll see what happens between now and then. That is Gus Kattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. We're going to take a quick time out when we come back. Pelicans, it's sold out tonight. Pels versus the Suns game three. How the betting odds have shifted since Devin Booker's injury. We'll dig into that. The culture, the buzz 
that is surrounding Pell's hoops. Don't go anywhere. It's the Pro Nola segment on a Friday. I'm Scott. That's Gus. We're right to this. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. No pressure. Yes, we need this. The best is yet to come in. Yes, believe this. Let go my echo where I flex my Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, well, still joining me. He was with us for the last segment, with us for one more. Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Gus, tonight, game three, Pelicans Suns. The Pelicans, well, if you look at it on paper, their regular season record was 36 and 46. The Suns, a little, just a little bit better, 64 and 18. They won. 28 more games and had the best record in the NBA. But as you know, Gus, um, you know, the Pelicans, different team than they were earlier in the year. We've talked so much about their turnaround. Having said that, it wasn't a surprise when the postseason started and they were a huge underdog to the Suns, right? After game one, the Suns were plus, uh, excuse me, minus 4,000 betting-wise to win the series. Number today, they're minus 265. That's from game one to now. Now, part of that is because the Pelicans won game two and they covered the spread by 20 points. But the big part of it also is 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 Devin Booker's injury. And, you know, all we know now is he's going to miss games three and four this weekend. If you're the Pelicans, man. You've just had this unpredictable ride, especially considering where they were several months ago. And you, you asked me each week on your show, what's the buzz like over there? What's the buzz like? It hadn't been what it's been in New Orleans over the last month and a half until now. I've had more emails, more DMs, more texts, more chatter, more people on my street, more people when I'm with my kids out walking down. They're all talking Pelicans. People are into it right now, Gus. What's the buzz like heading in tonight's sold-out game? Game three where... Pels are still the underdog, but, man, is it fun right now following this franchise. 100%. And I think the best thing about it, too, is um, as we spoke in the last two weeks, your show and even here as well, man, it, um, it's organic. And it has nothing to do with Zion, which is nuts. And when you see them win game two the way they do, the reaction has been incredible about that, too. You know, it's just like – if you see them be able to be that competitive and, and play that well and be able to do those things, then, man, imagine when that guy plays and what that bench will be of the guys that are actually getting starter minutes right now. I mean, the team closed out with Alvarado Murphy is on there. You know, you got Herb Jones. That's incredible. Like, that's incredible when you think about it. That's your second unit. The second line. I love that Joel Myers named the second unit the second line. That's just perfect, man. That's just so apropos. Yeah, no, it's great. And that's what I'm talking about. When you look at all of that, man, it just, you know, that's why it makes sense for both parties. They're going to, he's going to sign the extension. He's been saying he's going to sign the extension. They're going to play. Everybody's going to make it work. and, and, And it's beneficial for both sides. And that's what's exciting. When you actually see what can happen next year. But, this year, and you're talking about the bet line moving and everything, it's, it's incredible. Um, what I took the most out of that 
game two win was this team has no fear. This team isn't scared. This team doesn't matter or doesn't care um, what they're going to see. And I love the fight. I love that Brandon Ingram, you know, is showing that. I, I love the fact that you're seeing, you know, from C.J. McCollum and others just doing what they're supposed to do. But Trey Murphy's big threes. You know, Jose Alvarado only had two threes in the game. But when did they, they come? They were Late huge three-pointers, man. Massive. Huge. I loved how... I loved how they um, they answered back and forth. You know, I mean, the Suns had hit a big three. Boom, they hit a big three. You know, they hit a big three, and the Suns would hit a three. And I mean, it, I loved how they able to do all of that and go back and forth. And that, to me, was special because they showed fight. They showed guts. They showed a willingness to, you know, to compete. And I think that's the thing that really stood out to me. More than anything else, I think that's the thing that stood out to me, that you know, this team is going to battle, this team is going to fight, and they're going to do whatever it takes you know, to, to play. And the moment wasn't too big for them. And I think when you look at all of that, that's something that really is something to be proud of. It's it's uh, sometimes you hear analysts say you know sometimes young guys just don't know sometimes young guys aren't sure mm-hmm. they don't know oh it's playoffs it's the big moment I, I, whatever it is I, whether it's that whether it's just guys that it, you know had a lot like played a while in college but Herb Jones Jose Alvarado and Trey Murphy being the, the integral part of the rotation they are right now along with C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance Jr. who was part of the um, you know, trade with 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 the Blazers earlier. That it's 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 uncommon what they're doing right now, and now you got an opportunity. I know they're still not favored to win the series. I, I wouldn't necessarily pick them to do it anyway, uh, because Phoenix, even without Devin Booker, is still that good. But this this feels like a series that could go a ways, and with Devin Booker out, right, anything is possible. What, what's your prediction right now for this series before we let you run? Man, I, I still think, you know, you're asking a lot for um, the, the Pels to, to try to knock off a team that's won, you know, 64 games, 64. the franchise record for them, yeah. a team that has, you know, the Hall of Famers like they do. And, I mean, there's a reason they've earned that. So, I look, I'm as excited as anyone else, and I, I would love to see be able to split at home, I think that would be incredible if they were able to do so. Um, and at the same time, you know, have an understanding of what exactly they're, they're trying to do. Look, it would be incredible. I know not having Devin Booker should help, but, you know, I mean, there's two, two ways teams respond when you don't have players like that, right, Scott? And one is, you know, backs against the wall. I think they got to be prepared for – you know, whole barred game today. That team's not going to back down. They're not going to get frustrated or flustered by playing at the Smoothie King Center. And that's not a slight on, you know, the Pels fans or the crowd that might be there today, as you said, a sellout. But they played in the finals last year. And they have Chris Paul. They have Chris they, Paul. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. They have Chris and, Paul. <laughs> well, I thought Charles Barkley said a very good thing after game two, in which he said that they were. You know, a team that didn't uh, that, that Chris Paul maybe was a little tired, maybe had some legs, you know, and having to, to do mm-hmm. what he did in game number one. That's so, right. look, they've had three days, 
So he's going to be rested. You know, they're going to try to, you know, bring it to the Pels. And I think one of the things that's going to be hard or a challenge, I think, for New Orleans is to manage the adrenaline. I think being able to manage the excitement level, and, you know, I'd play the Willie Green speech at the end of game one, you know, um, in game one where he says, you got to fight. I'm doing that before the play-o intro and all of that stuff. Like, you know, don't over try to do everything. Now, I do think a good start for New Orleans would go a long way. I mean, if you can have it to where Suns are playing from behind from the get-go, at the very least, to make them use their energy, they're going to be capable to be able to come back. But, you know, I, 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 I can see the Pell split, man, and I'll tell you what, we go back to Phoenix 2-2, you, you, have, you have shown me a lot. It's already proven a lot to me. You've already given me a ton of excitement. I just think I need to go six, seven games, man. Um, that experience level is there. And as Booker can come back, I mean, look, you can see the difference in Brandon Ingram, right? I mean, that guy sat out seven, ten days, rested that hammy, and the guy's been cooking ever since. So when a, a guy can drop 31 on you at halftime, I'm I'm not going to discount him when it comes back, you know. So I still think the Suns win, but I never thought I'd tell you what I tell you in six or seven games. Yeah, I'm, that that's kind of where I'm at now, and I and and that doesn't mean I'm even discounting the Pels because as we've seen, no matter what, uh, there's not going to be any quit, regardless. But you know, they cannot win another game this this series, and it's still a successful season, and and that's where we'll close, Gus. Right? I think for for fandom. The best thing for a fan of, of of a franchise that's followed them for a while is the championship, right? That's that's the that's the ultimate. Number two on that list is when a team has a surprising run that that people just were not expecting, right? That's why I love the two thousand Saints season. It's probably my second to favorite Saints season behind you know oh nine, and then maybe twenty seventeen is third on that list because it was so unexpected. Eighty seven maybe after that for the Pels. This this one you can look at oh thirty six forty six but if you've actually followed this team from the doldrums of where they were it has been one of the most enjoyable seasons in franchise history which for folks that don't follow it might look at the record and say really but the but the the truth is really now was it fun in November and December no but I tell you what man from January on it's um it's been quite a ride we'll we'll close with that Gus but in terms of enjoyable seasons for this franchise it's 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 near the top isn't it. Um, look, it's got to be up there with, with one of them for sure. I think one of the things that somebody was, was saying on our show this week too was that it, it might be the best season in, in terms of the future and, and what it means moving forward and that you have an opportunity and you have a chance to um, be able to kind of move forward, take another step, and then, you know, be different from AD and Chris Paul and all that. They were kind of star-driven teams. You didn't know how good the rest of them were. I think your organization's in a better spot. Uh, I think, as I've discussed with you too, I, I think the um, the fan base is more educated. You know, we had Chris Connor on from Pelican Stations on the show guy. yesterday. Love and, him. You know, I we were talking about that. I'm like, dude, you legit have. And I told him he reminds me. Of, you know, the early days of Buddy, mm-hmm. Buddy D, in terms of, you know, when the game ends, people go there to complain, people go there to celebrate, people go there to do all those different Correct things. Jokes. I think that is completely different 
and where it was. You know, it's easy to go see, you know, AD or CP3, and that's your that's your your selling point. Um, people have fallen in love with this team because of Alvarado, Herb Jones. You know, Trey's starting to make a bit of his name. I mean, think. Think of that. You know, you were there. I saw you in the play-in game against San Antonio. You walk around the concourse. There's not on Herb shirt mm-hmm. for a second-round pick. There's All a Jose Alvarado jersey that you can buy. That, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's, that tells you it's organic. Um, you're watching Brandon Ingram, who absolutely was happy to come here and fought in. He could have been like, dude, from L.A., get out of here. Send me out of here. And I actually think... This environment perfect for him. Um, you seem relaxed, and you bring in a breeze-like figure like CJ McCollum that speaks highly of the city. It, it can be a mentor to these young guys. He allows and tells Brandon Ingram, "No man, this is your team. You're the superstar. I'm playing off of you." That, that's a huge thing. You know, he could have been, "Look, I'm the guy. This is my time to shine." I was, you know, on the side of Dame Lillard and. You know, that's about me. It's crazy when you look at that, right? I mean, all the things that came in place and shaping more Houston, you got the best head coach, honestly, since the team's moved here. Yeah. So I know Monty was here for a bit, but Monty tells you he's a different coach now than he was when he first started. So when you take a look at all of that and combine all of that, man, I it's hard for me to not think that you're not in a better spot now than you've ever been, which is crazy to think. But I do because Zion hasn't done anything. Hasn't done anything yet. Um, the numbers and stuff that he did last year, that's not the same team. He's going to have a better team around him. And, I've, and you notice I didn't call it a cast. I'm not calling the supporting cast. That team right now without him is a very good team. They just won on the road in a playoff game against the number one seed. You can tell me Booker got hurt. You can tell me all of that. That's fine. Game one, it got to within six, and they were leading 77-74 when Booker got hurt. So when you look at all of that, and that's without Zion, I mean. They're 11-3 and three in the last 14 games that Ingram played in since February. They've been top 10 in offense and defense. I mean, it's these are these are facts. Gus Cattengale has been our guest. We're going to let him run. Appreciate the time as always, my friend. Follow him on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven. Listen to the sports hangover ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. All the best, my friend. Appreciate the time. I know you're squeezing us in this morning, but uh, I know our listeners appreciate it. All the best. Sounds good, man. Take care, Scott. You too, brother.